This is the story of Mary's words, called Mary's Song or the Magnificat in, in the Latin. It's basically the only words we have of Mary, though they are significant. So hear now the words of the Gospel lesson. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. This is the word of the Lord. Well, you know there are experts in just about every field of human endeavor. There are wine experts, and they're called sommeliers. There's a coffee expert called a coffeeologist. Well, coffee has lots of experts, be it you roast the beans or you do this or this. There are roof repair experts, which we just took advantage of on this building. There are experts in heart surgery. There are expert fly fishermen and women. I'm more than glad to take the advice of an expert. It may be the plumber. It may be the accountant. It may be the butcher. And um, I need help. I know where to go. But recently I heard about an expert that I didn't know we had a need for. That is an expert pearl stringer. A stringer of pearls. And the stringer of pearls offers this advice. Pearls should be restrung once a year. And if you wear them a lot, twice a year. Well, I think that must be good advice, but you know, I thought about my 60 plus year old pearls. They're really not the product of an irritant of an oyster. They're probably a product of a plastic. And so I didn't think it applied. But I couldn't help but think about pearls, the real pearls that we have. Those are our experiences. Sometimes it's um, the irritants of life that make us wiser. I would say they're called pearls of wisdom from our beliefs, our experiences. But you know, sometimes these long-held ideas and beliefs also need to be restrung. Sometimes we need to rethink what we think we know. Let us pray. Well, gracious God, help us, like Mary, to be open to you doing a new thing in our lives. Help us to be open this Advent season to be instruments of your peace. Amen. Well, the church has periodically restrung its pearls, so to say. As Presbyterians, we say we are reformed and always reforming. Ecclesia reformata, semper reformanda. The church reformed and always reforming. 
In other words, there are some of those beliefs and traditions and notions that at earlier times we thought they were eternal truths, would never change. But, you know, we've given way to new thoughts, new insight, new ideas. We've been open to change, such as the church's view on slavery. The church's view of women in ministry has changed. The church's view on homosexuality. The church's view on Mary. Or shall I say, the Protestant view on Mary, which is pretty much no view at all. Because, you know, Catholics make us a little uneasy with their view of Mary. Catholics' view is that they could pray to Mary and they will receive help. So what do we do? Presbyterians don't hold that theology. So as Presbyterians, Mary makes a yearly appearance. But she doesn't speak, usually. She stands there and looks holy, which often means she looks confused. <laughs> and she carries a newborn that she lays in a manger. But I want to ask the question, what took Mary to the manger in the first place? And what has the church done with her since? And it's a fascinating story. You know, the Bible scriptures tells us precious little about Mary. There's not a whole lot. The book of Mark, the first gospel that was written, starts with Jesus when he's 30 years old and being baptized by John the Baptist. Not, nothing about his mother, Mary. And then there's Matthew. Well, Matthew, it's Joseph. It's just Joseph's perspective. Nothing with Mary's side of what went on. And then there's God, John. And the Gospel of John doesn't even give Jesus' mother's name. Only Dr. Luke, in the book of Luke, do we have the words of Mary. These words that I just read, and it's called Mary's Song, or the Magnifica, which is, means magnify, illuminate, glorify. And Mary starts out with, my soul magnifies the Lord. And as you have heard, this has been put into art and music over the years, over the centuries, because it's a powerful, powerful sermon. It has been said that there are more European cathedrals dedicated to honor Mary than there are to honor Jesus. And you know, I bet, if the truth be known, there are probably more prayers to Mary than to anyone else. You know, the rosary, the Catholic rosary, it has the Our Father and it has the Hail Mary. And so you're saying the prayer to Mary over and over and over. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord be with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Well, my real introduction to Hail Mary was when I was a student nurse in about 1964, and we had a big station wagon where there were nine of us heading to a conference a few miles away and we were on the interstate about half nuns half students because it was a Catholic school of nursing 
and I was in the back facing the opposite way, and we're talking, and all of a sudden, there's a, a tire blows out. There's this loud noise. And what do we hear? Immediately, loud voice, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord be with you. And all of the nuns were saying it as loud as they could. That wasn't exactly what I said. <laughs> but I'm glad their voices drowned me out. But we were all a bit frightened. And so we ask, who is Mary today? The Roman Catholic Church had exalted Mary so much that by the 16th century, when Reformation occurred, the Reformers denounced any prayers to Mary. No more praying to Mary. No more Hail Marys except on the football field. And yet the devotion to Mary has continued. We have the experts called Mariologists. And they have the study of the phenomenon of Mary and the sightings of children at the Lourdes in France or Fatima in Portugal or the Virgin of Guadalupe in Mexico. All kinds of things continue. But something more recently, and it doesn't seem that far away, it was November the 1st, 1950, Pope Pius XII declared that Mary had died and was buried, but her body did not decay. It ascended directly to the side of Jesus, and therefore she can intercede for us to her son, Jesus. So we can talk to her, and she will talk to her son. So Mary's very much with us. But as the dust settles, who is Mary to us Presbyterians? who for 2,000 years have had to rethink our understanding of Mary, restringing its pearls over and over. I think so many questions will remain forever unanswerable. We don't know. But our best clues is what we read today. We see Mary's a woman of faith, her nature, her character, we see in this hymn of faith what we call the Magnificat. It is a wonderful sermon. It's the best we've got. It's the only thing we've got about Mary. And it starts off with, my soul magnifies the Lord. Some versions say glorifies the Lord or rejoices in the Lord. It means it makes my soul bigger and bigger, that my soul magnifies the Lord and so that my soul can shine to all those around me, I change. You know, we think about magnifying or holding up a magnifying glass to the, to the life of another person, that we can make a difference in their life, that we can empower them in some way by the light and the grace that's in us. And so I ask, what do you magnify to those around you? Do you magnify negativity and criticism, or love and joy and kindness? Think about all of the experiences of your life, the heartbreak, the suffering, the joy, the great love in your life, and how does that lens, how does that magnify into someone else's life, especially in their darkest hour. 
You have something to give out of the life you have been given. And it can be magnified. And so you think of this Advent season and think, are, will they see Christ? Will they see God's shining through, the grace shining through? At the Christmas dinner table, you know, it, it could be so easy to have the criticism of, goodness, your lifestyle and your dress and you're fixated on your on your electronics that you haven't put down, or your social media, or can we turn that around and say we just cherish the time with the people at this table, and we're so pleased that you are being responsible human beings. In other words, can you intentionally find the good, even if it takes some effort? Mary's song is powerful. It says that the hungry will be filled, the rich will be sent away empty, and that God works through the thoughts of our hearts. That's why you're here. You want God to work through the thoughts of your heart. This is where it begins, and it changes the world. And so with Mary's song, we wonder, do we need to reshuffle or rethink or restring the pearls? in how our lives reflect who we are. No wonder Mary's adored for centuries and sought out by people who are in desperate straits, and still is. I think she is a young woman who doesn't have anything material to brag about or to give, but she has great love, and that love she delivered to the world. She has a tender, humble heart, open to God's voice and God's love, obedient to God's call. So as Christmas approaches, can we think of Mary, humble and lowly, how God magnified his love through her to this broken world and will through us? Meister Eckhart asked the question some 700 years ago. What good is it to me if Mary is full of grace, if I am not also full of grace? What good is it to me if the creator of the world gave birth to the Son, if I do not also give birth to him in my time and in my culture? Not only what good is it to me, but what good are we to the world if we do not welcome God's Son into our lives and into our hearts? Yes, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And the Lord is with us. We too are full of grace. And may we magnify that grace to the world. Amen.